This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The following is a... Ah, oh, crap. Let's do it again. <laughs> do we have to do the three, two, one again? Let's do it again. Yeah. Start all over. Uh, okay. Because I forgot what I was Do I have to, to stop say. this and then... Should I yeah. stop no, this and keep then going? Never. Keep going. No. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, I got to remember what I have to say here. I have to say uh, the following. Oh, the, uh, I, I got it. All right. Ready? Yep. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, listen to this other fine Opie show. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's a quick look at the Morgan Aero Super Sport. Is it ugly or sublime? Plus, special commentary on the automotive publishing industry. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me as I drive solo for a couple episodes for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Not only are we interviewing a celebrity, in this case, there's two. We are interviewing two. Celebrities. We got like a celebrity Groupon. Yeah, like a, we went to Costco. We went to Celebrity Costco and got two of them for the same price. Please welcome to the show the co-hosts of their own Opi show, Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. They host the show Back to You, which I, I think is a cleverly titled show because. Before they became podcasters, they were newscasters, and more specifically, Howard was a sportscaster, Steve was a weatherman at Channel 2 in Chicago, and I know you guys worked together for many years, um, but a lot of people work together for many years that don't become great friends. What it, was it about mm-hmm. your relationship that turned into a friendship? <clears throat> Steve? Can I answer that first? This is Steve, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it started with... Um, and I should have known better. I lent Howard about five dollars, and uh, <laughs> and he kept and on coming back for more. And he kept coming back, and he and he now owes me uh, about three thousand nine hundred dollars. I couldn't shake him. No, I don't know what I don't know how it it really developed. But we we both sort of had the first of all we had the same agent, but uh, which and, agent and, was that? And, this was uh, at Liebner. It was. Uh, uh, it wasn't uh, Saul Beanstock. Foose. No, no, no. Okay, good. What Thank a cool you. name. Saul Foose. Um, so uh, Howard was already uh, here in Chicago, and I was on my way. And our same agent said to me, oh, Look, this guy up out there named Howard, I think you guys are going to get along. And. Uh, I went in, stumbling into the sports department on my first week there. And I'll never forget what Howard said to me uh, with such warmth and grace. I'm uh, busy. To me and he said, y- yes, you blew it. I was going to say, he said, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> and I could tell from that point on, we were going to hit it off. 
I think uh, I have a tear in my eye. Yeah, right. That, that, yeah, you should yeah. write a children's book with that. That is so cute. I, I, I'm writing it down as I speak. Do you remember uh, what I said after I said, what do you want? <laughs> no, was it get out of here? No, well, it? yeah, but before that, I said, can I borrow five bucks? At <laughs> <laughs> 3,600 yeah, times right. later, you know, <laughs> we're right here. Uh, you know, but, you uh, know, I think... What I think happened was that uh, we had a lot in common, aside from just being uh, uh, stuck together on the set. We had uh, kids that were relatively the same age. Uh, we had uh, experience in the business, was, which was pretty close in terms of years in it. And we had an attitude. I don't think either one of us, I can speak for myself, but I, was, I think what struck me about Howard was that we were kind of in it, but not of it. We were very much... Uh, seeking more to life than just being TV guys. And we found a lot that we could laugh at and moan about. And we weren't driven in the way of uh, that the business usually drives people. Yeah, and, so and we've all met people that. like that. Oh my, you might, you, oh, you've yeah. worked with a ton of those people. Yeah, I have. <laughs> yes. You know, we uh, did a lot of research uh, before we had you guys on the air. I mean, mm. I like 35 hours. Oh, I easily. We got into this now, easily. Now, <laughs> Uh, if it was like us, Howard, he'd looked at it for twenty minutes last night, <laughs> right. maybe while, while well, Stan, he while I he mean, was Steve, watching whatever. So while he was watching a badminton match on yeah, right. ESPN yeah, from like not, twelve now years Price ago, Price is Right is on. It's the showcase. Uh, yes. So Steve, you worked in Philadelphia, and you worked with a guy by the name of Maury Povich. That's correct, right? Oh yes. Um, oh, yes. So what uh, was he really like? And secondly, did you ever find out uh, if you were the father of that baby? <laughs> I'm still waiting for my test to come back. He's promised to call me. Uh, you know, I'll say something that most people may not know about Maury or even realize. I, I've said it before. He was one of the best anchors I ever worked with. And uh, he was a TV anchor out of Washington worked in philadelphia be, before going on and, and being the mari that we know right he, he was a he was a newsman he was a, a straight he was a, journalist wasn't he and his father this is just an aside his father was one of the most respected sports writers ever a guy named shirley povich oh wow i didn't surely wrote for the that 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 was his dad his you know he's got a history or had a history that went all the way back to babe ruth and early days of baseball and i and i'm pretty sure he wrote for the the Washington Post mostly, but Street and Smith magazine. You ever get that magazine? Baseball yeah, yeah. quarterlies, that sure. would, yearly that would come out. So he was a he came from a journalism background, and uh, it was pretty cool working with Mari because he he told me one thing that I never forgot. He, he said, "Look, there's no way that I'm going to ever look good unless I'm try my best to make you look good." And uh, that's the way it should be on a set. You never want to show anybody up. You never want to think that you're hiding information so you can be the smartest guy in the group. Because that makes you look bad at home. You know, and, that is and the more so I try, smart. It is. And, 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 I, and I try to keep that attitude uh, with most things that... Except for the podcast, because I want to shine yeah. and I don't want Howard to. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. Howard's dead weight here, Steve. You know, let's be honest. Oh, that's well documented, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we're t talking about Philadelphia. Uh, 
you were there in the sixties and seventies, right? In Philadelphia. Yes. So yes. that was uh, that was like the I mean, center I of there. the rock and roll world. Yes. Uh, are are you a fan had, of that music? Is that uh, I mean, obviously you grew up with it, obviously. Oh, American Bandstand like, look, was went, there, and Philly. Hey, Soul. I went to school. I went to school with the Delphonics. They were in my junior high school. Wow, in classes, go to house parties, and they're singing. Um, you know, long before they were famous, and the a guy named Frankie Beverly and Mays had a band that would play at cabarets every Saturday night called Frankie Beverly and Raw Soul. Gamble and Huff were there. The Shy Lights were, you know, I, I, I don't remember them. I mean, not the Shy Lights, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, the, uh, they, they sang with a falsetto. Everybody did in those days. <laughs> but yeah. uh, there were a couple other groups. There, there were groups all over the place. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, I remember that's going some to of my favorite Dick, stuff. Uh, Dick Clark's uh, show was done there. I yeah. remember standing in the wings of a Dick Clark reunion show, and a guy named uh, Jackie Wilson. Remember Jackie Wilson oh, was yeah, a pretty sure. popular singer. He's standing beside us, uh, a little group talking, and he's about to be introduced. And he's telling us stories, and then I did this, and then I went there, and then I appeared here. And, man, you should have seen that girl. And we're just in awe. <laughs> Jackie Wilson's talking. And then Dick Clark says, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jackie Wilson. And Jackie Wilson looks at me, and he says, hey, would you hold this cigarette for me? And he gave me a cigarette. <laughs> cool. And I let, that thing, I let that thing burn all the way down to my fingers. <laughs> I wasn't gonna put his cigarette out. I, you know, I'm I'm holding Jackie Wilson's cigarette. But yeah, music was was everywhere, and I grew up right at a time when it was developing, and and some of these people were becoming stars and went on to do great stuff. That's we had great. singers like you'd find basketball players in certain high schools known for that. Well, where I grew up in West Philadelphia was known for its entertainment. Boys to men grew up there, and yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's always been a a music hotbed for sure. Now, Howard, you were at Channel Two during some of the most memorable times in Chicago sports history, and I know you were there uh, during the Ditka Bears heyday. And I have a tape that I'm sure you you also have somewhere <laughs> of Ditka going nuts on Johnny Morris off the air right before the broadcast of a game. Yes, you, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Sure, Which I do. tape? Yep, that was in Detroit after a after a game in which the Bears won. So yeah. he was really in a good mood. But you'll never know it from hearing this. No, no. And the two of them went at it. But now they were teammates, so Johnny got right back in his face. That's that was kind of a it, it it's a legendary tape if you can find it. It's probably out there on YouTube by these days. Uh, but you were there for some of these crazy moments. Or do you have any good stories from those days? Well, if you want to play, I'll fill you in on what the background was on that one. But I mean, oh, yeah. when, when we did the Ditka show, which aired on Sunday mornings at 1030 before the NFL did today came on, we taped it on Wednesday evenings. And there was a line around the, 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 the block to get into the show, into the live audience. I mean, the show was in, it was in syndication. It was in Hawaii it played. So, it was. It, I mean, the the ratings on it were astronomical. It was bigger. Phil Donahue's show was taped at at Channel Two on McClurg Court. 
And, uh, you know, the crowds were bigger for this. So it was unbelievable. We taped it on Wednesday evenings, and he would come in. We had a little green room, and I'd go up at the last minute and walk in there because I didn't want to be around him and get my ass chewed out because uh, he'd come in from practice he'd be in a he'd be in a horrible mood and he just yeah. wanted to sit there and watch wheel of fortune for the half hour before we went into tape and then we'd go out and i was in the audience so i would field the questions but when they threw oh, it to me funny. johnny johnny morris would throw it to me and i would ask the first question so i had some involvement in the show or would follow up and Ditka would, it became a bit, he would invariably say something like, uh, let them answer, a- ask the questions. They're a lot better than yours. And everybody would <laughs> laugh at my expense. I got pissed off one time. I told Johnny, I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to take his crap every week. <laughs> and Johnny said, you know, it was like Maury Povich giving Steve some advice. He said, hey, he said, take it for what it is. It shines the spotlight on you from one of the biggest stars in Chicago. And yeah. Uh, it will make you more well-known. And I looked at it in that way. And then, you know, because Ditka and I got along fine, it was just a shtick. But yeah. uh, it, it was an interesting time because you never knew what he was going to be like. That's why his nickname was Sybil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I used to tape that show every week. I was I was Stephen Geary's producer when that show was on the air. And I would bring in the questions uh, just because, the <laughs> I, I mean, no offense to Chicago's fine uh, citizens, but there were some meathead questions, and they, they were so funny. The questions were so funny. I really believe that that show inspired the SNL bit. Oh, it did. Of super fans. Oh, it did. There's no question about it. And I used to go through the audience, and I would I would ask people what they were going to ask and get an idea of what they were like, so I could pick those kind of people. So I mean, they, you know, they would they you know they would have that that. Chicago accent that was so heavy that it sounded like a fake or a parody, and that's how the SNL bit was was born. But you know, it'd be like, uh, "Hey, coach, uh, you know, if you if you were down uh, twenty eight to nothing at halftime and McMahon had thrown a bunch of interceptions, would you take him out?" And it would be something like that. You know, uh, while just, eating a pork chop, yes, while eating a yes. Polish sausage, right, <laughs> and yeah. slamming his chest during his <laughs> heart attack. So, so Ditka's show really, uh, it was the the springboard for all these other coaches' shows across the country. But it didn't work because it was just boring guys breaking down tape. Right. This had a magnificent personality that would, you know, look at the video and rip players on the air and 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 and. It was Ditka. It was a show, and he knew it was a show. Yeah, but and you never knew when he was going to snap. No, well, you expected it. You know, and, you didn't, and you there didn't. and there might have been. Uh, you don't have to confirm this if you don't want to. <laughs> was but there some booze involved? There might have been a few episodes where Coach uh, <laughs> might have had a few beverages before the show. Well, generally, uh, that was the Sunday night show after the game. So that okay. one would be at ten thirty at night. So he would fly back, and then by 10.30, he was doing it live. And, yeah, he liked his wine, so he'd be on there. I can remember one time he was looking at the voiceover, and he'd, he had a few glasses of wine, and it was uh, Cap Bozo was a tight end for the Bears, pretty good player. And he said, and there's Cap Bozo. And he giggled, and he said, Cap Bozo, 
That's a funny name. <laughs> it had a cookie crumbles. The yeah, yes. cookie crumbles. Uh, yeah, he said that one time. <laughs> so, so how did that? How did the Ditka show factor into his his flame out that one day? Which one? The the uh, one. So the one that we have the tape that I was talking about. You said that it goes back to the uh, the Ditka show is is a basis for. Why he got so mad at Johnny that day? Is it because he had too many shows to uh, to cover, or what was the uh, yes. what was it that made him so angry that day? Yes, what it was, it was building up that show where this clip comes from was in the afternoon. It was live from Detroit after the ball game, so we did a post game show, and you can imagine the ratings. It's it's yeah. pouring out of a, a Bears game, and huge ratings. The 85, you know, the 1980s team was so popular. Uh, there weren't as many, you know, wasn't as many things to watch then, so ratings were higher in general. But then, immediately after the game, within five minutes, you had Mike Ditka sitting there live. Well, Ditka knew what the ratings were for that show, and he wasn't getting paid for it. Uh-huh. He was getting paid for his Ditka show on Sunday night, had a contract, but this was just, you know, out of goodwill. So our producer would go in and drag him out of the locker room, and finally this time he's like, "I'm not doing it. I don't want to go. We're going to say the same. We're going to say the same crap we say tonight at 10:30. Why do you need me now? Howard, you can say whatever you want. You can you can flop out any words you want. Yeah, well, shit. Uh, same shit we're going to say tonight. Tell me we're not. Well, we are, and that's what Johnny's debate was. But it was all because he wasn't getting paid. So then we got him a few bucks, and then after that he came in there and he would do the he would do the shtick. But uh, that that's what the background was. So the producer wouldn't come out. We're trying to fill. I'm in the studio. We have to fill, you know, a half hour or something like that. You, you know, you don't want to fill it with Detroit Lions highlights. They want to see and hear from Ditka. So the producer, Bob, finally dragged him out of there in his underwear. And uh, he came out and sat there with a towel over his lap. And he did it with Johnny. The funniest part of that that tape is at the end of it where like Johnny is in his face they're screaming at each other and then he and he goes all right I'm here with Mike Ditka after the show <laughs> he just yeah. stops cold he said, and yeah, he doesn't he said, do it back go. to you like <laughs> no I throw it to him Johnny Morris is now with the coach yeah and I'm vamping in the so studio great. and Johnny gets a little happy face on and he says all right I'm here with a happy Mike Ditka. <laughs> that's right. That's what he said. <laughs> uh, I recommend people find that tape. It is it is better. I, we can't do it justice. It is that good. Oh, it's a hey, classic. Howard, Howard during, the, during our extensive research, I also noticed you have an IMDB page. And so you've got a couple of acting credits. Mm. Talk, you're a thespian. Tell us I, about, tell us about what? your acting work. You're a th- is it a thespian? Right? Yeah, that's yes. a right word. I think. That, yeah. that is correct. Um, yeah, I I shot something. Uh, there's a local independent filmmaker who's had Joe Swanberg is his name, director, filmmaker, and he's had some, you know, some success. He's pretty well, you know, known in the independent film world. I think Drinking Buddies was one of his. Happy Christmas. I don't know if you've seen them. They're both very good. Anyway, he wanted to shoot something on a gambler. Jake Johnson was playing a uh, down-and-out gambler. I was at Arlington at the time, so 
He, he, Borrowing money from Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for my yeah, habit. Where's, where's my five? Where's he Susan in the seventh? Steve, I need five bucks. <laughs> for, for the habit. Yeah, and he's putting his five bucks. He likes that horse named Cat Boso. <laughs> yes, off the name. That's one yeah. thing I, well, that's another story, but I never bet off names. But anyway, they were going to shoot a scene out there, and it was going to take like half a day. And got to talking to Joe, and he said, um, hey, I got a, I got a part for you. I said, okay. He said, do you believe in luck? And I said, uh, yeah, I definitely do. So we talked about that a little bit, and he sat me down at a bar there next to Jake Johnson. And we're sitting there having a beer, talking. And it's, his movies are all improv. So oh. Jake just said, uh, you know, follow me and we'll just have a conversation. So we, we talked for 10 or 15 minutes and uh, Joe said it was good. Uh, there'd been a rainstorm in the meantime. They had to rewrite and reshoot and what have you. So anyway, the dialogue got dropped. So there was about a four second shot of me having a beer with, Joe, with uh, Jake. And then the, for some reason, then he gave me a credit at the end. And that's why I got an IMDb. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Steve, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I met you once many years ago. I was John Landecker's mm. producer, and you had mm-hmm. a great show on Sundays at Channel 2 at oh, the yeah. time, and Landecker came on as a guest, and we came in with a tape recorder with a karaoke of uh, the song mm-hmm. Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. You remember this, right? And John <laughs> yes. serenaded Martha Stewart with a parody song, which I thought was a great bit. You know, that show was so ahead of its time. It was. That was sort of a throw. It was a throwaway show that we had no idea uh, how to categorize it because it certainly wasn't public service. Right. It wasn't news. It wasn't. It, it, it was, was entertainment. Just, what is this? Yeah. It was entertainment. You don't see opportunities like that anymore. Uh, no, in fact, I, I, I thought it was. Do. I thought it was great that you that the that Channel Two actually. You know, went on a limb and put that show on because yeah. that was pretty rare. <laughs> it was called Sundays with Steve. Yeah, and right. uh, we'd have all sorts of odd. The thing that I liked about it, the guests like John would come on and have fun, you know, yeah. like come on and do what do what you want to do. It's not one of those things that's going to be standard. Uh, I remember we had a woman come on and she could tell your fortune by looking at the cream swirl in your coffee. It was some, it was, she was like the co- the coffee psychic. It was it. so bizarre, and, and she could. And not long after that, I get this frantic call uh, from Art Norman. You know Art Norman sure. over at NBC Five in Chicago. <laughs> Art says, "Steve, you got a minute? Somebody wants to talk to you. They got an important question." And he puts Ernie Banks on. Uh, hey, Steve, this is Ernie Banks, and I'm going. I'm first of all, I'm talking to Ernie Banks. And uh, I, what an honor. Ernie Banks had somehow been over at Channel 5 at NBC, for whatever reason, realized that Art could get in touch with me because Ernie's wife had to know where that psychic coffee lady was. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Because she, she wanted to track her down because she thought she was fascinating. And the woman lives so I can't remember where she lived, but she lives somewhere around around the suburbs of Chicago. And uh, to think that Ernie's wife checked that show out, thought it was so bizarre that she wanted to get in touch with this woman. But it was uh, uh, it, it was a, just a, a cra- crazy, quirky show. You know, Ramsey Lewis was on with his group and played some nice music one day. And 
Um, and I enjoyed that very much. And, and I had done some things like that. You mentioned Mari. When I worked with Mari in Philadelphia, we did a show called AMPM. Very clever. They stayed up weeks trying to think of a name. <laughs> it would come on at a, it would come on eleven thirty in the morning. It would go off at one in the afternoon. Oh, uh, AMPM. That's brilliant. Oh, get at that. That middle yes, works. Yeah, yeah. And that guy got a big raise and went on to <laughs> be an exec at some. Uh, but uh, you know, we did stuff like that. It was just a uh, you, you sort of uh, taking a chance because it's, it was live TV, and it, and it wasn't the end of of the world if something didn't work, and maybe you'd discover something about someone that you didn't know before, and just the just the way to to see folks having fun. It was fun for me because it wasn't my usual stand in front of the chroma key roll. You won an Emmy for that show, didn't you? Did that win an? I thought that show won an Emmy. Am I no, no way. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. thought it did. You know, I, mean, I could be wrong about uh, that. You know, I I don't want to say that I'm getting so soft-headed. Howard likes yeah. to say soft-headed. We, we tease each other about stuff. I want to correct something. I really don't remember. We may have won an Emmy okay. uh, for, for that show. I said something earlier about the shy lights, and I meant to say the stylistics. Ah, uh, the stylistics. That was Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, uh, right. getting back. That's a throwback to the um, old, old Philadelphia old music. But, yeah, Philadelphia sound. Um yeah, but and Howard and I, when we get together, you know, this is like our phone conversations. We talk to each other yeah. endlessly. I mean, like we'll go on and talk. Howard, forty-five minutes is a, is, an, is a short call, isn't it? When we're talking, right? It is. Is, is Howard fact, still there? Or did he leave? <laughs> I, I was He's gone for a minute, but I came back. Uh, yeah, we had a forty-five minute session. That was a short one. Uh, shortly before we began this. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, and, and it's not about anything in particular. Right now, I know, uh, Rick, you're you have an interest in the Cubs. I guess both of you do, right, Dave? Yeah. You both well, have an interest. My in interest it. in the Cubs is more hatred, <laughs> uh, which is an interest, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I'm. I've often said that if, he, he published a book. Yeah, right. I did publish yeah, his book, yeah. but I, but I often say that if the Cubs played. Well, I, I, and, you know, I got to be careful with our present situation yeah. out there. But if they played Al Qaeda, I would probably root for Al Qaeda just for <laughs> wow. the game, just for the game. Wow. Now, yeah. after the game, wow. I'm not rooting for him. But, yeah. but you know, if Osama bin Laden can strike out Chris Bryant a couple of times, I'm <laughs> well, okay with that. You know, I, I bring this up because of the the every Cub that ever, ever played, yeah, ever, every, yeah. every Cub ever, yeah. I was sitting. I was uh, go. I was in the barbershop in Evanston. It's still a barbershop that I I go to, and, and we've I've gone. Yeah, my son got his hair cut there for years. We'd go to this barbershop, and I'm in there one day, and there's a guy whose face I recognize, and and uh, you know, as you're in a barbershop, half the people there aren't getting their hair cut. They're just right. talking, <laughs> and he was just one of the guys talking. And waiting as others are waiting to get their hair cut. And he seems to know a whole lot about baseball. And we're bringing up baseball. And I'm talking about the Phillies where, as a kid, I'd go see the Phillies. And he'd say, yeah, I'm, I used to be with the Phillies. And I'm thinking, he used to play with the Phillies. And then I'm going, well, I know this guy. And I knew him more as a Cub. And it was Jose Cardinal. Oh, wow. Uh, he used to have a fro. 
fro that was like Oscar Oh, it was Gamble. the best. It was the best. His hat couldn't stay on because it was his fro was so gigantic. <laughs> yeah. I met him once at the was... Jewel. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. He was in the onion section. But... But he was he was a pretty decent player. I mean, he wasn't a star, but yeah. he played for the Cubs. I don't know how many years he played for the Cubs, but he was a Cub and a Philly and probably some other teams. But yeah, he I played remember. for a bunch of teams. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. So, I liked him almost as much as I liked George Altman. Remember that name? Big George. Played for the Cubs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Oh, name, don't don't get me started, yeah, yeah, Steve. Right. You've just went to, you, you went through a rabbit hole here. We're going to be talking about Blue Moon Gibbons, who played a half an inning in nineteen oh six. You know, well, I, I, you know, I, I sometimes bring this stuff stuff up with Howard. Don't get Howard started because you bring up a name for him, and he's got some reference for it. Yeah. Well, we're going to go be, all the way back to. We're going to be doing that, but first. Yeah, what we need to yeah. do is take a break. We need to take a break. We need to take a break. Already? It's everyone, everyone <laughs> towel off. Yeah, right. Yeah. Get, get Ditka, that get towel to, that he's get on. Get to your cut like... man. He'll <laughs> yeah. take care of you. And, uh, and we'll be back in just a moment with more Steve Baskerville and Howard Sudbury. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we discuss the new champions. We will look at Liverpool and where they stand in terms of the pantheon of champions. Um, they're certainly up there. You'll find out this week on Free Kicks. Yeah, Adam's going to tell us exactly where he thinks they rank, and he has seen every Champions League since the league was founded. So we'll find out that and lots of other great soccer news on an OPI show, Free Kicks with Adam and Rick on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And friends and everyone at Opie Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I... Cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah, I know. You can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. And we're back. Uh, Dave, you had something that you wanted to ask Steve. I, you know, I saw um, it in your eyes. Uh, I, um, I've, I've known a few weathermen in my time, Steve. Uh, oh, and yeah. I, mm-hmm. uh, so I was at WGN, um, I think we were working on Rick, Rich King's book and, uh, I was in the hallway and Tom Skilling came the other way and Rich yes. wanted to introduce me to Tom Skilling and Tom Skilling yeah. holds yeah. out his hand. And he goes, Dave, good to meet you, but I got a microburst and he had, and he had, and he had a run back to, <laughs> had a run back to the weather room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and the joy on this man's face because of a microburst was about to destroy Chicago was was crazy. Uh, Look, you know, you just hit the nail on the head. People, you know, all the other weather guys, all of us would, would sit down with a drink in our hands at the bar and go, why does Skilling get so much time? Well, I think it's because of that, because he really loved microbursts. Th- well... You mean you didn't get about, nine minutes in the in the in the uh, newscast? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. No, because because sports was eating it up. Howard was on the other end of the desk eating up all the time. Yeah, that's probably true. No. There was a time. The time was eaten up 
that's the tough thing about doing sports. It comes at the end of the broadcast. So if the weather guy eats it up, there ain't anywhere to go because David Letterman you know starting at ten thirty-five with or without whether we're done or not. You know what I used to love to say when the producers would say, "Okay, we don't have much time. How you think you can do it in like two thirty? And I'd say to him, "Look, remember." You always have sports to cut. <laughs> <laughs> so I never worried about that. But now, so how are you about skilling? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, go yeah. On. No, 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 go on. I just want to mention one thing about skilling. Uh, from the very first time I saw him, he has such and still has such joy for the work that you appreciate it when you watch him. You know what yeah. I mean? I think. Yeah, that's, that's the right. thing that comes across the screen. He likes being there with you. And oh, when you a, make somebody feel that way that's watching you, that's half the battle. And I've always respected that about uh, uh, Tom. And we worked together. We only worked, we worked together a couple of times off camera, but at a, you know, appearing at the same place on a panel. Okay. And I remember for the, for the, for the Emmys, they would love to pair us up, you know, as presenters for the Emmys. Sure. Uh, for the, and, and, he, and it was always, uh, he said to me once, the last time that I was with him for one of those Emmy introductions, he said, oh, I didn't want to do this, but when I heard it was you, I was okay. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. But which was kind of sweet, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, but, but, but just a, look, the camera, you guys realize this, the, the microphone, the camera, they don't lie. If somebody's decent or, or tries to be that way, you can't fake that but so much. They're, 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 how genuine you are is going to come across. Yeah, I and, believe And especially true. in Chicago, we've got a good bullshit meter in Chicago. I think radar in Chicago. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you do. You can't, you, can't, uh, you can't do that but for so long. You, you can't try to be one thing and then not be it when people run into you. That is true. I had I had a GM once tell tell all of us. He called us all into the office and he said, "Hey, look, you can write this down if you want, but it's true. I don't care if you're the kid show host or the main anchor. You are who you appear to be, so be who you appear to be." Hmm. We went, "What does that mean?" He said, "When you leave the building, when you leave the building and people run into you, the thing that's going to turn them off the most is if they see somebody that that isn't who they were sold on TV." You can't sell yourself as being one thing, and then when they meet you, casually or informally, you are not that person. They could skywrite how wonderful you are. You're lost to that person. They're gone. You know, you yeah. gotta, and you can't. Whatever you are, just be whoever you are, and be consistent because that's a hard sell if you're not. Do you remember, uh, yeah. Steve? And that's it. Uh, did yeah. it, were you finished? <laughs> I didn't want to. This, this all. No, no, don't go, go. Do you remember? We won't mention the name, but there was a weatherman at CBS that was beloved, and he had a great sense of humor, but he had a warmth and a, a grandfatherly-like quality, and was on the air for years and years and years. And you would never believe this, but didn't you tell me you'd go outside and you'd be walking down the street with him, and somebody would yell, "Hey!" How's the weather? And he'd say, I don't know, get a newspaper. Hated it. Hated it. Really? Some, some people, oh, yeah. Just hate it. You know, there's some people who who don't, uh, you know, they don't appreciate that or, or don't, you know, they don't associate the two. They, they think they're, 
that it's a performance on one side and you don't have to acknowledge that when you're away from the camera that's something and uh, i've run into a lot of people like that the ones who are most successful aren't like that because yeah, no, um, that's true look you know, if i if i'm if i don't feel like if i don't feel like people on a certain day if, if i'm just moody or i don't feel like it i don't you know something's bothering me I don't go to the mall that day. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. right. I, yeah. I'll just stay home. I mean, yeah. I, I won't, I won't take that out in the street because hey, look, this may be the first and only time that person sees you. You know, and I don't think me, a lot, think a that, lot of, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize, Steve, that uh, Howard Sudbury got his start as a weatherman too. Uh, in Peoria. Yeah, he, he, now, now, did you? Yeah, have, he, did he was he a hack, me wasn't he, Steve? He was a hack, right? <laughs> he was. He was. He didn't know a micro from a burst. <laughs> right, right. Talk about degree days. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Howard, did you ever have Steve come back to like the desk and 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 you could give him advice like, hey, I would have led with the heat wave. In Peoria, you go with that. You go with the temperatures first, then you go back to you know. Did you ever say anything like that to him? Sure, I did. As he was giving me advice on how to do the sports, <laughs> we should have switched one day. No. But you know what was interesting? Yeah, you I, I'm have. such a sport. Sports is, I'm such a sports fanatic. I mean, I'm a real fanatic. That reason why I didn't attempt to to do sports is because I didn't want to be let down by the jerks that you'd run into that aren't like I thought they would be. You know, I wanted to stay distant from it. Yeah, but you're I, talking I, about uh, the athletes themselves. Oh, the assholes who are athletes yes. and coaches. And, and once in a while, I'd run into them just by hanging around the sports department or hanging around Howard to get a <laughs> taste of what, what the real thing is like. And uh, I, I always preferred to stay distant because it was hard for me to separate the fan from the, the performer, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, I, you know, these if you think about those see, athletes, I don't know. those I'm, guys have been pampered every day of their lives, you know, from the from the moment they uh start grade. playing their sport, they're they're the best, they're the greatest. And everyone treats but them how, like they're the king their whole lives. And by the time they actually become famous, they're they're already jerks, yeah. many of them. Would you agree with that, but Howard? How, are, how you could maneuver that pretty well, Howard, right? Well, I mean, you know, I you never could still be a I I never kissed any of their asses. Um, I never put them on a pedestal. I did I did my job, and if they were a jerk, I wouldn't take their crap. If they were a jerk and they didn't want to do an interview or they didn't ever want to talk to the media, I didn't care. There's somebody else to talk to. Go on in the corner right. and sit there and brood. Uh, but you know, I told one of them one time, and and this sounds this sounds arrogant, but it's not and there's some truth to it, is that a guy that is a star baseball player that signs with the Cubs or the White Sox, and he was going to be there two or three years, and I would tell him, it's fine, you do what you want, but I'm going to be here 25 years, (laughs) and the people are going to relate more to me than they are to you. They'll forget that you ever played for the team. So you ought to treat people with respect. And I forgot who I was having the discussion with, but they kind of understood it. It sounds, you know, arrogant. I wasn't trying to say that I was a bigger star or I was more well-known yeah, no, than the player, it. but uh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm part of Chicago. You're transient. 
you're going to leave right. and they're not going to remember you. So that that's the way I looked at it. That you know, but it gets back to the old thing with Michael Jordan that I I've told Steve and we've talked about it on our podcast is that I knew him from the get-go before he was Michael Jordan. He was drafted out of North Carolina and he was a good basketball player, excellent basketball player, but you know, there were a lot of those. There were team, players like that drafted every year, but he said you treat me with respect, and I'll treat you with with respect, and and we always did, and and I really respected him for that philosophy. Did you watch the last? Did dance? you get sure the last dance? How did what'd you think of the last dance? I did. I thought it was so well done. I thought it was it was terrific. I mean, some people picked it apart because they said that you know Michael controlled the message and everything. Well, I thought. You know, that was the part that I was fascinating in, you know, about hearing was, was Michael sitting there and letting his hair down and saying what he wanted with no filter. That was the part yeah. that, that I liked about it. Because he, he always, always held back back, uh, back in the day. He, would, he was a, a generic quote man. He was. Wasn't he? I mean, he had a personality, and he would, he would show that at times, but he didn't, you know, he was pretty measured in what he said. And, you know, because you couldn't talk about, you know, any disagreements with your coach or with your teammates or, or this or that. So, you know, he played it down the middle. But uh, this, was a, this was a look behind the curtain, and I thought the director did a fabulous job putting it all together. Is there any specific memory that you have from that time that uh, is your – I mean, you were there for all the championships, basically. Is there anything that, that stuck out in your mind that maybe they didn't cover in the last dance or that was covered? I, yeah, there are a lot of things that I saw behind the scenes that, you know, weren't covered because they didn't have any knowledge of it. You know, these were personal moments with, right. with these guys. So, you know, I would see them. Michael Jordan did a show at Channel 2 on Sunday nights and uh, on Sports Extra. He was a regular contributor. He'd come in the studio live. So he'd be back in our office for 15, 20 minutes, half hour as we were waiting to go on. So you get to know somebody uh, on that level. But th there were a lot of experiences that I had with him. I've told Steve and on our podcast, one time in Detroit, they were playing the Pistons, obviously. We're staying at the Troy Marriott, where the team always stayed. And I was in the lobby, and the, the team bus left because Michael wasn't there yet. So Michael walked out and said, hey, he said, you got a car? And I said, yeah. So I drove him to practice that day. And we beat the bus and little bitty rental car, small, his knees are in his, you know, chest. <laughs> and I'm th I'm he's, he's saying, step on it. And he wasn't too worried about it. He wasn't going to, you know, get suspended for that night or anything. But he wanted to be there on time. So I'm driving like 85 thinking, if I flip this car, <laughs> yeah, you're, man, you're. and I hurt this guy. Michael Jordan and another man <laughs> die yeah, right. on highway. Yes. <laughs> well, I can't live because I can't go back to Chicago. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he would he would tell me things that I wouldn't put on the air because I wouldn't, you know, betray any confidence. And uh, so there were a lot of experiences like that that happened. Uh, you went, you know, you mentioned your podcast, which uh, I, we highly recommend to everybody. It's back to you. It's an Opie show. It's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And when the Black Lives Matter protests began, you guys did a great episode about the subject. I thought it was really tremendous. And we even played a portion of it on our show, the story mm -hmm. from Steve's younger days in Philadelphia. 
Now, the protests haven't stopped since you did that episode. Mm-hmm. They're still going on. Steve, what do, the, what do those protests mean to you? And what are your hopes for what they're going to achieve? And do you think they are going to achieve anything? Well, you know, I've not, I've not really experienced anything close to what's happening now. And I thought back in the 60s, we were talking about life in the 60s, you know, 67, 68, when uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Uh, you, you thought you'd seen it all with, with reaction to change and how justice was at the forefront. And you thought nothing will ever be as impactful as that, as the momentum from that. This seems to really exceed that. Yeah, and some, it seems like every, some, yeah, something's different about this one, isn't it? I mean, there's just a feeling well, around it. I think a, a number of things make that happen. It's the circumstances, you know. A, a lot of folks are focused on on life because of the virus. They're they're in tune to how they feel, and 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 they're available to hear word quicker. You know, they're through whatever social media they have. So the word gets out there and it gets out there fast. Uh, you know, your family uh, as a black family has had a history of, of things that have kept you down uh, in, in almost in a wave within one month's time. These deaths become visible and you see it and you can hear the agony in the voice of the person as they're dying like George Floyd, and, and, and it just becomes uh, uh, the pot where the lid blows off. You've got leadership that seems to ignore all of that, and, and all of this is brewing at the same time. I, think, uh, I don't think it will stop. I think there will be a steady stream of protest right on into November because uh, we are at an age now where we want change as as people in this country and we want change to happen urgently and you can't it just feels like you can't wait any longer that's yeah, why a, i think it, it it's about continue. time yeah it's about, we had on john philo i don't know if you guys know the name john philo but you you know his the picture that he did he took the very famous picture of kent state you know the woman mm-hmm. you know over the the body the the body that's bleeding yeah. out and you know it was perhaps the most impactful photo of the 20th century i mean you can argue that it's certainly of the top you know 20 but we're now all kind of john philos with our phones you know we can capture yes these events now and i think that that is just you know really snowballing it and in this digital age is making us all more politically aware and more aware of what's going on and yeah. we can disseminate that information so much quicker now and the times are changing you know you you mentioned you guys have kids now, your kids' generation and our kids, and my kids are in their 20s, you know, the, these generations are not as racist as our generation was. And that's just a fact. And, well, and, so you know, the, and, they're, leading the, and they're leading the charge. These young people, my head is off to them. Yes. And I heard it mentioned by uh, some elder statesman who uh, was a black activist uh, in the 60s, uh, around that era, uh, recalling that, yeah, there was a swell of young folks who were trying to make that happen, and when and, and it seems now that there are even more young people, yeah, who are uh, up front and and sort of pushing things, and and 
and like you said, it's immediate. And the and the, the the day that George Floyd died, there were other deaths that day. Yeah. You know, and and there have been deaths since, yeah. and there have been brutality charges since. So as long as that continues to happen, protest is going to continue. Yeah. It's not yeah. like that's going away. When there are signs of that going away, then there'll be signs of protesting against it going away. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Hey, Howard, uh, you're from Pekin, Illinois, correct? I am. Yeah, I was born uh, and raised there. My mom was from Chicago, and uh, so I spent a lot of time up here. But uh, I was from Pekin, and uh, interesting history to that town. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm almost at times embarrassed uh, to to say where I'm from or acknowledge where I'm from because I don't want people to think badly of my parents or me or my aunts or uncles because Pekin, as you know, is mainly for people that aren't from there known for one thing, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, uh, the high school mascot. <laughs> yep. That, uh... Yeah. It was nicknamed... In uh, 1930, and uh, went away in 1980 after I was long gone. Had, had moved away, but it was a it was a uh, racist term for a Chinese person. And when I was growing up, and I guess ignorance is not an excuse, but we didn't have any idea that it was a bad term. Right, and neither did the schools and the other teams that we played. Nobody thought anything of it. There wasn't any discussion. And the history of it is that Pekin was a sister city to Peking, China, which is now Beijing. So it was on the same part of the globe, uh, same spot on the other side of the earth. And the way they would describe it to me when I was a little kid is that if you dig straight down, you know, you come out the other side, you come out in Peking. So it was a sister city. So it just shows you how the times were. It was meant as a compliment, but nobody knew it was wrong. Nobody had any bias against Chinese people there, at least not that I was aware of. Uh, So, but it's, uh, you know, it's not a great history. It's not a great thing to be associated with, even though I, you know, knew nothing of it. Well, you know, I had a college roommate from Washington, Illinois. Uh, this is when I went to U of I, which the Fighting Illini may not be the Fighting Illini <laughs> yeah, for very yeah, much exactly. longer either. Um, and he wore a shirt. He wore a Pekin Chink shirt. And exactly what you just said, I'm like, what, you know, what is that? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, that is a derogatory term. <laughs> and he had absolutely no, and he was a nice, real nice yeah. guy. And he's like, I had no idea that this was. And you're right. It's the, you know, and, and Pekin, Illinois is only what? Two hours from, I don't know, two and a half hours from Chicago, maybe? Not even, yeah. I don't even know. What, uh, it's, but it's a whole different world back. It, then it was a whole different culture. Yeah, Pekin yeah. had a, a holiday basketball tournament. Uh, and, you know, all the teams from Chicago would come down and play. And uh, it's only seven miles from Peoria. And, you know, nobody, nobody thought anything of it, even though, you know, they look at it now and it's the, you know, the most racist term that you could – the nickname for any sports team that, that you could think of, but yeah. but they changed it in 1980, I guess it was, and it was the nickname was in 1930, and and all we knew was that it was a Chinese person, and um, it was a uh, it was meant to to honor them, which a lot of these you know nicknames are 
you know, that was the history, I guess, but uh, obviously they, they don't. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's things true. are changing all, and and now we see the change happening just all across the country with symbols and statues and yeah, uh, logos, logos on products. All these things are being reexamined. But the reason why I'm hopeful for the future is because of how we're talking right now. I think what makes people more uh, human is when they get to know folks better, when they get to broaden their frame of reference, when they leave their neighborhood or the town they grew up in and realize that they're people of all colors who have all kinds of skills and they can do what you do and many times can do things that you might learn from. I mean, the the world, when you open your mind like that, uh, you become more receptive to uh, making things better for for everybody. And I, I think that's what's happening. You know, we talk about the Internet and social media and all these things now are broadening young folks' minds where they are exposed to so much more. And they know that there are many colors out here. There are a lot of shades. We better get used to there being a lot of different shades other than white. Yep. And folks... Uh, and for all of us to survive, we got to live and learn and stay together. And if somebody is being unjustly, uh, if the behavior is unjust in one direction, the behavior is unjust for all of us. You know, it's and one I, I really think like a hundred years from now, when you look back on this and, and, you know, people used to judge you based on the color of your skin. Does that even yeah. make sense? It makes no it'll, sense. It'll at seem all. like such a. It'll seem like a weird, wild notion that that yeah. was. Except for Cub fans, point. though. I hate <laughs> Cub fans, and I'm never gonna. All right, listen, it. pal. <laughs> uh, well, we really appreciate you guys being on the show. This has been a fun chat. Uh, it's great being on the same network as you, which, of course, we're uh, both Opi shows. If you want to find their show, back to you. You can listen to them uh, on Spotify. Uh, to go to opishows.com, wherever you find podcasts, search for Radio Misfits. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano, who helped hook all this up. He's uh, with opishows.com, which is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Celebrity Minutia Men interview. Thanks, guys. Thank you. It's really been an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I never did get a chance to ask who your favorite cub is, Rick. You, you'll have a chance in a second because we're doing your show next. <laughs> <laughs> I got to change my shirt. Hold on. Hey, guys. I always yeah. drag these out. I don't know how to end our show, as you will hear when you when you appear on it. I drag it out. So I'm going to drag yours out. I just have one quick question. All right. What is your definition of a celebrity? Uh, Well, somebody that is known. (laughs) You know, uh, I I think the reason we we could all, like we had a a stuntman on last week who was, uh, I consider a celebrity, even though nobody knows his name. You know, we have had musicians on that I consider celebrities, even though people may not. 
Yeah, we had, and like John, and... John Philo, the guy who took that picture, was a yeah. fascinating interview. Mm-hmm. So we have a very yeah. vast uh, right. definition right. of, yeah. but you guys are certainly qualify right. in the television right. world right. in Chicago. Right. Everyone knows Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, you, you, can have, for... you can have your show back. Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, special guests, the Minutia Men, Rick Kempfer and David Stern, are our guests. And Steve, they've accomplished so much. Yeah, they have, including uh, what I'm going through right now. I just got my ascot on and I have my cigarette holder and a cigarette and a nice glass of bourbon because I'm beginning to write the remainder of my book. You got a deadline. Next Tuesday deadline, my friend. You just ruined their promo. Oh, I thought we were on the same promo. You just jumped in on theirs. Well, I was under the impression that we were ad-libbing the promo. How about that, Steve? They've inspired me, Howard. They've inspired me. And they'll inspire you. On the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Uh, Okay, fine. Screw it. I won't be on your damn promo either. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Lasano and Friends. My name is Ron Majors. This is somewhat an entertainment show that we do here. And I'm honest here. I think we've only mentioned Trump's name four times. It's been very tempting to go towards that light. But the news has just got sucked up by him and puts almost anything he does. What do you feel about that? It's almost like he's wagging the dog. A, A little bit. It's also the most amazing political story of our lifetime. It's hard to look away, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I just find it ironic that Trump is doing well and Ron Majors is getting ready to retire. I think there's some (laughs) parallel there. (laughs) Lasano and friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.